Welcome to The Institute, a podcast on the lives and work of fellows and friends of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Philip Hollingsworth. In this episode, Sophia Ramos sits down with Associate Professor of History Chad Bryant. Professor Bryant discusses his research on Prague, as well as the insights into nationalism and the urban experience we can learn from other historic cities like it. So, you're in Hamilton. You're... I am in Hamilton. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so this semester you're not going to be teaching, but I want to hear a little bit about some of your favorite moments in the classroom or favorite courses that you've taught recently mm-hmm. or in the past. I guess this last fall I taught The World Since 1945, which is always one of my favorite classes because it makes me a better citizen in person because you have to learn about things and events far beyond my country and my the time specialization that I have. And in doing so, I, it also, I bring the course up to the present and consciously kind of weave in questions that are, I hope are in students' minds. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of all the courses I teach, it's in that course that students come back later and say, that's really what I remember from being a student here at Carolina. I remember that course really opening my, you know, opening my eyes to these larger questions. Or Are there any particular events in that, that you talk about in that course that mm-hmm. students are like, oh, I did not know all of that information or see the importance of it? Is there like a particular time period or, or event? I think in general the students have a very, first of all, they're very curious about current events, and I think they have a vague sense of something. So we had, you know, one week on migration law and asylum seekers and, and talked about the long history of those, of asylum law in particular. And so although we spoke about, actually we spoke about Europe and Czechoslovakia and, that, and the Syrian refugee crisis in that lecture, it obviously relates to what's happening at the, at the border with Mexico and, and the debates going on there. And, but to even have an informed discussion on that debate, or a properly informed discussion, it helps to know what the asylum law actually says, what we're committed to, what the provisions are for those who seek asylum, and and then how you get refugee status and what happens after that. And mm. From there, then, you can have a, a, more, a much more intelligent discussion about you know, what's happening there and, and what's tragically happening to a lot of people who are seeking asylum, justifiably. I see. I see. Outside of the classroom, I guess. So you, your research surrounds nationalism and uh, the urban experience mm-hmm. in modern and central, uh, central and eastern Europe. Excuse me. Why did you become interested in these regions specifically? Uh-huh. Well, I was a German and history major in college, and then shortly out of college, um, I went to the Czech Republic. Well, yeah, it was the Czech Republic at that time. Uh, just become the Czech Republic, had split from Czechoslovakia and become the Czech Republic. Um, I went there in 1993, four years after the fall of communism, to teach English, and um, and just fell in love with the place. I made a lot of good friends. Um, it was fascinating to be in a place that I knew really very little about before, and, and that very few people knew about in general outside of, at least in the U.S., knew about before. And And then I was a journalist for a while, and then I when I went to graduate school, I decided to focus in on that region in part because I wanted to. I just wanted to go back every year and and make that part of my life. So and and as an historian, it's it's a particularly at that time especially it was a particularly interesting part of the world because under communism, few people outside the country could get access to the archival materials um, which we need to write our books, and and those within the country were restricted in what they could write. 
um, more or less. And so the early 90s was this moment in which there was this, this – um, in which the possibilities to write history and really original history were, were quite were, – were everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really exciting time to be part of that moment. Yeah. You as a journalist, a, prior, a previous journalist, do you see any connections to being a historian and being a journalist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's there's actually journalism and law and history are like the, the class are a really great triangle. I mean, journalism is just like an historian. It's the the key. One of the main things you do is just go out and get information and you get facts. And ideally, you um, in our discipline and in journalism, you build from there. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't approach the project or whatever the article from with knowing what your argument is going to be. Ideally, you go out and with an open mind and you find things and sometimes you find surprising things and that actually becomes the, the object of whatever you're writing or doing. And journalism, I think what I got most from journalism was how to write concisely too and how to write very <laughs> in a straightforward way. It's and a valuable skill. It is a valuable <laughs> skill. And also to just understand as journalists, as one thing I learned as a journalist was to, to understand human behavior and to really understand individuals as individuals and, and ask a lot of questions rather than, than give them answers. So you're currently working on a book project. It's a book, correct? It is, yeah. Um, um, Prague, Belonging, and the Modern City. Um, so you're going to continue your work with the faculty fellowship this semester. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just tell me more about that project and kind of what led you to it? Well, the project is, very broadly speaking, it's a history of Prague, which is the capital of the Czech Republic, uh, from the 19th century to the present. And it's organized around the lives of six people whose, whose lives span that, that era. And it has two, within it, two, sort of two stories that are in tension. So one is the story of the city writ large and asking how it became a, a Czech city. Um, how its buildings and street names became coded Czech, how it became the locus of Czech national memory, and, and also how various um, Czech regimes have, have ruled the city over time um, very, of all sorts of political stripes and, and ideologies. And so between 1900 and 1950, there were six different political regimes, um, some fascist, some liberal democratic, some communist. Um, the second narrative follows the lives of these six people who in many way, in, in various ways were peripheral figures within the city. Either they weren't Czech or they didn't fit the, the predominant or they didn't or they weren't part of the predominant liberal mold or whatever it may be. And, and their struggles to try to find a sense of belonging in the city, a, a sense of certitude and um, security and, and even and place, both within the city but within sort of communities that they helped to create. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, sort of to counter predominant narrative of Prague as a, an only a Czech city, to remind people of the city and, and those who visited that this was, it's like any city, it's, it's defined by difference, mm-hmm. even though we try to imagine it as being singular. For these six characters that are in the book, mm-hmm. how did you find these these people or identify these kind of different roles in, in, in society? Yeah, I, I did it mostly by asking colleagues in the field. And I ex, when I explained the project, they often often came up with a lot of really good ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then the challenge became whether that person that they suggested had left behind enough material, you know, enough artifacts for me to work with that I could use to recreate their lives, but also sort of recreate the ways that they tried to create the sense of belonging for themselves. So, um, so that, that, was, that was probably one of the greatest challenges, is finding people who were not known or not well-known, who, who were not, didn't fit this kind of classic Czech mold, but also had enough archival material to, to allow me to recreate their lives. Yeah. So in, in thinking about challenges, I was going to ask, is there anything you wish you would have known before you start, started this project? Is there something that you've mm-hmm. kind of been like, wow, this is really difficult to research? You know, mm-hmm. these, these people that might not have a huge historical background or record or written record of, of what they did and what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else that you found that you're kind of working through right now? Yeah, I think, well, well one thing is, frankly, if I had known like how, how difficult it was to write a book like this, I probably wouldn't have agreed. So, so that was <laughs> ignorance was a good thing. Yeah, it was. Ignorance, ignorance was inspiration. That's great. <laughs> I mean, ignorance and hubris, hubris, yeah. like <laughs> so, really did me well right, right. there. So, um, so I think that was one thing. And I mean, and I say that I asked people for suggestions, and I think the biggest, if I had to go back, what I would do would be to to buy more people cup of coffee and, and talk through the project with them and and what I because it's taken me a while to realize that first of all that going into this I didn't know nearly enough about cities let alone Prague and and that I should have tapped a lot of yeah I, I should have tapped people in the field and colleagues here just to, to sound people out and and also just to work through ideas rather than just to sit alone in my library cubby hoping it works out. So and that's one thing I really appreciate about the, the fellowship is it's a, it's a key moment where I can kind of, by talking it out and getting feedback and listening to people, that it's really, it's, it's ideally kind of suited for this moment in, in my career. And I'm sure it's, I'm not alone in, in thinking that. So. Oh, definitely. And I feel like when I met you all for lunch today, it seems like a pretty diverse group, too. So mm-hmm. I think you'll have some, some good sounding boards. Yeah, to, yeah it's true. Yeah, yeah, which is, I think, another important thing is when I go to a conference, everybody knows. I mean, they have a deep knowledge of this particular region, and it's to be forced to explain these things and what you're doing to people who are you know, obviously, well, you know, you know, specialists in their own field and excellent scholars, but to, ex- to have to explain it to them is also a really good exercise. Yeah. So, but it, se- it does seem like a great group. So, Definitely. Yeah. I'm thinking about what you said about cities, and I think what I want to know is what can someone like me or someone who m- might not be in academia or a historian, what kind of value can they get from learning about these cities that have such a rich history like Prague mm-hmm. or you know some of these big capitals that we kind of hear, especially in Europe, but might not know the history about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think, well, I guess there's like, there's two things here. Is one is, I mean, why, why Prague? And it's one thing we can all learn by looking at Prague, or one thing I think is interesting is that um, it's, it's not a, a huge capital city like New York or London or, or Paris. And, and so it has a very sort of peripheral city that we don't People, many people visit. It's one of the most visited cities in Europe, at least, and almost no one knows the, the history of that city. Um, 
and and there's so much to sort of to to absorb there because unlike so many cities throughout Europe, it wasn't bombed during World War II, mm. and there's so many layers of of architecture throughout the years, as well as just markings from the past that they really have this potential to really be in the past and be in history. And I think that's what makes it a remarkable, remarkable city in a lot of ways. But, um, but also just more generally, I think that through studying cities, and especially the way I'm trying to do it, is that we can ask really big questions about the modern era and, and society more generally, and even more specific, specifically when I'm talking about people who are searching for a sense of belonging, like many of the chapters or all the chapters focus on how they do this. And so I look at strolling through parks. You know, I, um, I look at street wandering. I look at marches. I talk about associational life. Um, and all these things are things that urban planners have, re- have realized are, are essential to a healthy city. Yeah. It's part of the the new urbanism movement and so forth. So I think looking, tracing out the evolution of these various practices and what makes for a successful and healthy city that in, is inclusive to to everybody is something that I hope people will get out of this book too. So. Great. Thank you. What's a book that changed your life? Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, ask, we ask everyone. We have to, we have to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought of two. If that's okay. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay, good. So the first one was a book by Philippe Arias called "The Hour of Our Death," and um, it's a strange choice, but it was it was I think one of the first books that I read as a freshman in college in a, in a freshman seminar called "Love and Death in Early Modern Europe," mm. and um, and it was it was a transformative book because it was the first time that well, it was the first time I ever thought about the fact that people thought about death differently over time and and then what this might say about society so this and it was part of the whole college process which I think you know hopefully our students go through too is you begin to see something that seems very obvious and straightforward and from different perspectives and that really kind of opened my yeah that, that I really fell in love with history at that moment too and dropped my computer science major for better or for worse. Seems like a big big thing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, but but um but yeah, and um and so I think the other the other sort of book, I actually anything written by Ian McEwan, he's a novelist. Um I just I love his work and one thing that I love about his novels is there's a there's a subtle knowledge about whatever topic or context that he's writing about. So one of his characters, for example, was a brain surgeon, and he clearly had done an enormous amount of research to figure out mm. not just the brain, but what brain surgeons do. And another one of his main characters was an unborn baby in his in her his mother's belly, <laughs> and, and so he <laughs> did all his medical research to figure out like what you know what that to understand what that experience might be right. to the best of his ability. And his prose is, is absolutely is beautiful and it's always elegant and it's always so precise. And, and he draws these great characters that, um, that you always feel a great deal of empathy or understanding for, even if you don't like them. And I think that's what, when, I guess, is a long way of saying like all these things, I think, can inform history writing too. Like 
a subtle, subtle knowledge. You don't throw everything you know on the on the on the page to show off, but but it but creates a certain respect uh, and empathy for your characters and um, an elegant prose that draws in the reader. Very cool. Thank you, Chad. It's been great. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. It's my, my privilege. Oh, yeah. Check back at iah.unc.edu for the latest news on our fellows and upcoming events at Hyde Hall. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on our website, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at IAH underscore UNC.